are back. It's the Joe Holker Show presented by FanDuel. Two segments for you guys today. The first one for trending wide receivers with Matt Harmon. Going to roll that right into our DFS stacks plus best bets with Rich Rebar. Two awesome conversations again this week. And if you enjoy it, do me a huge favor. Take two seconds to leave me a rating interview over on Apple Podcasts and consider following also on Spotify. Really trying to build up this audio feed this year. And of course, make sure you get into the Listener League before it fills. FanDuel.com slash Holka. It is the best contest on FanDuel and all of DFS. Going through that link not only gets you a deposit bonus, but it also supports the channel. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. There's a ton of wide receiver groupings out there that are in a little bit of transition, but I want everyone to know that we're going to help you through it. Uh, we're going to dive into how to use these narratives that everyone's talking about to find an edge of the most important position in fantasy football and in DFS. If we're talking about wide receivers, you already know who's here. Yahoo Sports, Reception Perception, obviously his YouTube channel this year. And at this point, if you haven't checked that out, I don't know what you're doing. Matt Harmon, how are we doing? I appreciate you, Joe. Yeah, man, it's um, it's it's the last month of the season. We we bleed into January more uh, so than normal this year, but yeah, there's a, all all t- all kinds of teams. Obviously, like backfields are in flux, wide receiver rooms are in flux, even some quarterback situations are you know maybe sort of kind of up in the air. So, man, it's interesting. Um, it's an interesting time of year. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of those teams today, and I'm uh, I'm glad to be here for it. Yeah, definitely an interesting time of the year. I think that like as people are going down their home stretch in regular season long fantasy, this stuff becomes increasingly important just because a lot of these situations have kind of changed throughout the year. And honestly, in DFS, sometimes the pricing takes a few weeks to kind of catch up to what these new roles are. Obviously, yes. some injuries can happen. Also, just some of these guys are seeing a lot more opportunity than we saw at the beginning of the year. So let's talk about the 49ers first, Harmon, because Debo is obviously going to miss about one to two weeks. We could see Juwan Jennings run as the team's wide receiver two at this point but George Kittle aside like Brandon Ayuk huge opportunity here for him to show everyone what he can do right Harmon absolutely and it's weird too because it's kind of hard to talk about Debo as just a wide receiver because he's like basically we know he does everything in the backfield too he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink of this offense really and so it's sort of tough to say like okay this opportunity is going to trickle down to all these other wide receivers. You know, the part of the thing that we loved about this offense, or at least I loved about it coming into the year was theoretically, it was going to be highly concentrated between three guys, Debo, Ayuk, and George Kittle. Obviously there was so much chaos with the Ayuk thing. Uh, Kittle goes on IR for a long time. So it was really just all Debo all the time. And like some of these guys like Muhammad Sanu and Trenton Sherfield had sprinkled in as well. But, um, I think the version that we've gotten of this offense over the last month, basically a little bit more than that is kind of the ideal version of this attack. And, you know, meanwhile, all that time, like from not a overall slice of the pie, you know, team perspective, but from just a strict wide receiver perspective, things had already been shifting from Debo to Ayuk, right? Like this guy is 11th in the NFL in receiving yards since week eight. He's Brandon Ayuk. That is, has started to turn into the guy that so many of us, myself, like chief among them, were so excited to see this season. Like he is starting to become that guy. You know, he's great over the middle of the field. I think he could even do more than what he's been asked to do in this like Jimmy G version of the offense. So um, I think Ayuk is like a set it and forget it guy in redraft leagues right now. I think he's still undervalued in daily fantasy. Like their daily fantasy pricing is still kind of holding the whole like doghouse situation over Brandon. Ayuk, keeping him down there? Cause he's been productive and he's certainly going to have to be leaned on more. I don't think that he will take quote the Debo role or anything like that because Debo Samuel is like the most unique player in the NFL, especially guys that have WR next to their name. He's one of the most, if not the most unique players at that position. Um, So I don't think he's going to be lining up Brandon. I don't think he's going to be lining up in the backfield like that. I think he will just have to be asked to do more. And yeah, definitely guys like Juwan Jennings who profiles as more of like a big slot receiver type. Um, Maybe he can work over the middle because everything's got to be over the middle with Jimmy G. It's all got to be timing and anticipation, which works when you have a really great stretch running game with guys like Elijah Middle, Mitchell and then Kittle and Ayuk both blocking uh, great on the edge. So I, I know that Debo is a huge loss for sure. I think Ayuk can step up as well uh, as Juwan Jennings, perhaps like as a flyer, maybe could get into the mix too. Yeah, it's interesting pricing wise too, because you look at this, George Kittle 6,300. So he's actually significantly less expensive than Brandon Ayuk at 7K. And even in this game this week, like we we basically have to decide if we want Ayuk, if we want Metcalf, Lockett, because they are kind of priced similarly. It, yeah. It's just like, I guess 
even transitioning slightly to Jimmy G, like, does this guy really, like, if he's not going to succeed now, when is he going to succeed, right? Like, the way these guys win, too, is absolutely perfect because he doesn't really have to throw the deep ball. He just throws it to them in space, and they're just so good after the catch and breaking through tackles yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I kind of love, um, not as a Cardinals fan, but just in general, love how this offense has been built because all of these guys can just break big plays, break tackles. They play that type of style that you would think would kind of uh, be one of those ones that you would want this time of year, right? So Ayuk is a really totally. interesting use case, I think. Uh, but if he does end up kind of becoming what we all expected him to be earlier in the season, now more targets should be going his way. It is a pretty nice opportunity here. I'm, I'm I guess, interested to see if people are going to hit him on that price tag, though, at 7K. But um, definitely an interesting spot. Do you know anything about Juwan Jennings? Obviously, he seems like that guy. If he t- scores a touchdown pass, it's always the week that I play George Kittle and ruins my day. But uh, yeah, I don't know much about him, but I, I do think it could potentially just be the AU can Kittle show. Yeah, like I said, I think this offense has been so concentrated of late. And we know they're going to remain extremely run heavy, and Seattle can be run on for sure. So I don't know how much opportunity is going to trickle down to a guy like Jennings. He can certainly be available in the red zone. I think he's pretty decent at the catch point. Like I said, pr- profiles is kind of um, – you know, th- this is a team that was – bringing Jordan Matthews like in and out of the operation the last few years like Jordan Matthews has always been that like big slot receiver I think they even tried to like give him a shot at tight end at some point too which that's never gonna work give me a break but like um that that is like if I could compare Jawan Jennings to a player it's like a poor man's Jordan Matthews when Jordan Matthews was like actually good 100 years ago at this point so that's kind of the player that I would say so yeah maybe red zone involvement big slot involvement but yeah I do agree with you I think this is mostly going to funnel through Ayuk and Kittle. And to your point about Jimmy G, he can—he really is never going to attack deep outside the numbers. It's just not his game. And I think Ayuk can actually really thrive in those areas. I think he thrived in those areas with quarterbacks. Like, I mean, we have to remember too. Like, this is really the first time we've seen Jimmy G and Brandon Ayuk like as full-time players together over the last right. you know month or so. And and the 49ers offense has been great over the last month. They're like third in, in offensive EPA uh, since week eight, I believe, or at least heading into last week. So there's so much to like here. I think it all comes back to that stretch running game with a guy like Elijah Mitchell pressing the edge and everything. And these guys blocking extremely well. That allows, that, that does force teams to like defend those sideline areas, even if they're not doing it in the passing game, they are doing it in the running game, which does open up the middle of the field for Jimmy G to throw a lot of. Pa- I think Kittle could absolutely smash in this game. I know we're talking about Ayuk, and, and I'm I'm in on Ayuk at that uh, draft at that at that price as well. But still, I do think this is a huge Kittle game incoming. You, you'd have to imagine. How many people have asked you to chart George Kittle this year and or, or Kyle Pitts? Like the, these tight ends, hey, you Kyle can't Pitts open. You, you cannot open that box, Harmon. I'm telling you, if you do it once, people I, are going to want yes. it forever. Do not do that. <laughs> A thousand percent. I mean, people have been asking me to do this since the days of like Jordan Reed, you know, like, yeah. oh, Jordan Reed's different than uh, than most tight ends, right? Like Travis Kelsey different than and then like Kyle Pitts is coming in and like, I mean, at least he's at least he's not producing. I feel like the crowd cries would be lighter, uh, louder for it. But yeah, man, people always want to see the tight ends. But it's like starting back at square one with reception perception date. It's like I could tell you that this guy's got this success rate. But like, what do I as a tight end? What, yeah. what, what am I comparing to? So, um, yeah, I, I'm trying to resist that as much as I can. I'm trying. And I, I remember those days uh, when people were first uh, blowing you up about that. Hey, man, maybe you were right about Cordero Patterson, by the way. You were the first one that was all right? over him. Yeah, it was just like the, the delayed reveal on him. But, yeah, guys, uh, before you on. blocked on Twitter, though, despite all that. Uh, despite Does he? For him. Yeah, That's he absurd, I don't man. Know why. Yeah, it's, I don't know why. But I'm more of a mute guy myself. Guy. Yeah. All right. Uh I do have something I'm pretty excited about that I want to tell everyone. We have a second YouTube channel for The Joe Holka Show, so make sure you guys subscribe over there immediately. Going to be rolling out a bunch more clips from the guests, uh, some exclusive picks and analysis that's only going to be over there. You can't find them anywhere else, so there's a link in the description. There's a link in the pinned comment. There's probably one in the chat also. It takes two seconds. would really help me out. But Harmon, what everyone wants to talk about is Odell Beckham Jr. after his long touchdown last week. Regardless, we've seen the target share kind of condensed for the Rams recently after Woods went down. So what do we think about this group of wide receivers? OBJ, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson. Going forward, this is going to be one that might be a little bit frustrating, but we might be able to find some value also. Yeah, that um, Sluggo route was really impressive uh, from mm-hmm. Odell Beckham. I mean, you know, if you look at, I, I mentioned this on the show, I think a few weeks ago, I did chart Odell Beckham in the middle of the season. His article is still up on receptionperception.com, looking at, you know, where he was getting open, where he was getting separation um, in terms of his his reception perception sample with the Cleveland Browns. That is still live on the site if people do want to go check it out. Um, but yeah, I 
I think he can still play. I think he can still get open. I think he can still get open deep. That was the big thing. And that was really great to see that come to fruition, even if it was late in the game um, last week for the LA Rams. I am, I'm, I'm, it's, it's tough with these Rams wide receivers. Cause I think that uh, Van Jefferson is going to be a, a good play. Like, I think he's a good player and I think he's going to be very volatile of these guys. Cause he's still going to get um, some high degree of difficulty targets. He's still going to get some uh, vertical looks as well. I think they'll try to mix Beckham in more in the short game. Um, you know, those quick hitters, some of the backside digs, everything like that is fundamental to this offense. Um, I think those will be mixed in for Beckham more going forward. I'm a little nervous about clicking Cooper cup, still extremely um, high salary in daily fantasy. And I, I do kind of wonder with just the state of this offensive ecosystem overall, like I, I kind of think they need to get back to just like funneling, you know, targets to Cooper cup early in the game. They've been really bad about that. Although like game logs for Cooper cup look relatively fine from like a floor perspective. Cause like he gets there eventually, but they get to him pretty late, you know, mm-hmm. in the last couple of games, like they've gotten to him in, in kind of like in garbage time and everything like that. Um, I know I say that as somebody that had the over on his, uh, his, against the titans and i oh, barely yeah. missed it it yeah. barely missed it i think uh and, and he was getting so many garbage time yards so um listen i i think these guys are going to be tough to predict i almost kind of just want to not touch the rams offense against the jaguars even though it is an enticing matchup from a passing game perspective you know daryl henderson kind of banged up in the backfield i don't know what they're doing with the running game they're they're like not splitting carries between him and sony michelle they're not really i think they kind of need to get back to like establishing the run too so there's so many questions with this offense right now that i have been tempted to just fade these rams receivers even though theoretically beckham is at a really good price point when like the opportunity is pretty equal between him and cooper cup at least from like a target perspective a routes perspective and you know the vertical looks are still going to probably go beckham's way he's also still an injury report like a hit point or something like that so yeah mm-hmm. i i feel like i'm kind of backing away from this rams offense and especially in the passing game even though it's a really tempting spot and all these guys it's concentrated between these three receivers it's just tough to dole out right now maybe when cooper cups like if his i don't know but that's the thing joe like is his salary ever realistically going to come down probably not at this point. is it because probably not at this point because he had so many great weeks to start the season and it's not as if he's disappearing because the final game log he gets there um but it's always those floor games so i'm a little nervous about that going forward but uh we shall see i i probably will not be playing these guys in a game where they should just you know moonwalk to victory but it's tough tough to say with the rams right now yeah we're gonna have to keep an eye i think on the target shares of snaps like i think tj uh, hernandez friend of the show tweeted something out uh, after the game last week just how like basically even it is these guys are on the field basically the entire game together and the target was uh, the target share was pretty uh, well distributed i guess if you do need a bull signal for cooper cup one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting jacksonville has actually faced the third fewest deep balls this year so I guess they've been uh, kind of middle of the pack in terms of their efficiency against it but they're just really not uh, seeing a ton of deep balls maybe that's a uh, part of the just division as a whole but I guess an interesting wrinkle to that one anything else on the Rams? No I mean just you don't have to do too much to beat the Jaguars. You know? There you go there you, <laughs> you go. The stinking dunk there. All right, so the Miami Dolphins, this is another interesting wide receiver group at the moment. I I think that the return of Devontae Parker, it definitely could affect Jalen Waddell a little bit down the stretch. Maybe we see a little bit less of Gesicki also, but do you think that this is a good thing for Jalen Waddell in some ways? Like, he's maybe not built to be that true alpha anyway, so having at least another weapon out there that's somewhat viable um, could be good. I'm just kind of piecing this together, but I'm curious your thoughts. Tua right now, 43% of his passes have been play action, 43% of his dropbacks. Uh, That is like in its own neighborhood. You know, Kyler and Lamar are second and third, and they're like 37 and 36%. Like nobody is over 40%. By the way, it's insane how far we've come on the whole play action thing that these guys are at, you know, this this high the league leaders yeah. back in like you know 2015 2016 they were sub like 20 percent. you know it was like oh 16 play action that's really aggressive for old matt ryan and his mvp year stuff like that so it just it's crazy how far we've come with that uh, ben solak wrote a really good piece uh, in the ringer i'd encourage everybody to go check it out about like tua and the rpo game whether you agree or disagree with like his final conclusions i think it's an interesting thing to think about right now it just shows how heavy they are running these over the middle RPOs. And um, that is really what Tua thrived in, in as a collegiate player. I think it's really what he's been thriving in so far, um, especially since coming back from injury. And I think it makes sense because this offensive line in Miami absolutely stinks. Like they are not, they're one of the worst pass blocking units in the entire NFL. They have been all season. Like that has been one of their, the parts of the rebuild that has absolutely not worked out for the Miami Dolphins. So 
I'm I'm interested to see how Devontae Parker fits in this style of offense because he's like an outside the numbers contested catch vertical receiver. I don't think he fits with this like very RPO heavy attack. So if there's any worry out there, I think that Parker is going to drag things down for Waddle, maybe even Gasicki, but especially Waddle. I'm kind of not buying on that because I don't think from a, a player stylistic fit perspective that Devontae Parker, and I'm not saying like you can't play Parker on the cheap or anything like that. I just think right. from like, I don't think he's going to take away from Jalen Waddle, who by the way has just looked better and better throughout the year. I mean, it's worth remembering this guy. We talked about Tua with his like catastrophic injury in college, the hip thing, everything like that. Jalen Waddle barely played last year. Uh, he played in like the national championship right. for some reason on this like horrific ankle injury that limited him to, I think just like five games overall last year. And then that was apparently still bothering him in training camp and portions of, of the off season. It makes sense that he's looking better and better as the season goes along. Cause he's a speed guy. And I think he maybe doesn't have the build and the prototypical skill set of an alpha receiver, but Man, I think he can be a target hog type of guy. I'm I'm more impressed than ever. And like the yards per catch are starting to catch up, I think, with the explosion, the theoretical explosion of Jalen Waddle getting all these inbreakers on this RPO offense. So I'm I'm still very bullish on Waddle at the cost right now. Matchup with the Giants defense is starting to fade a little bit too. I I really do like uh, Jalen Waddle going forward and this week. Yeah, we finally saw him break one of those plays that was kind of just not not necessarily a dump off, but one of those short to intermediate routes yes. where he just took it to the house. We've been talking about that. What feels like for weeks. I guess we were bound. Money, to I've been waiting eventually. on that. I've been waiting on that all season. Like yeah. I was like, that's the play right there. That was the one I've been waiting to see all year, and it was still like I, you know, take that thing to the house or something. Jalen, come on. Exactly. Yeah. How does he? How does a guy that fast get caught from behind? That was absolutely nuts. But uh, one of the things I wanted to do quickly, I guess, was run the Sims on this specific slate, and both of these guys, Gasicki and Waddle still popping in about 15% of the optimal lineups. Run the Sims is one of those uh, tools that we use to simulate the slate 10,000 times very quickly and use some of the pricing and uh, inputs there. So a uh, decent spot against this Giants team this week, and it seems like the Sims like Waddle uh, just like we do. So uh, appreciate you, Harmon. Uh, make sure everyone goes and checks out his YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of great stuff going up throughout the week on that one. Check out the new YouTube channel new YouTube channel for me as well. Um, follow Matt on Twitter, at MattHarmon underscore BRB. Uh, anything else, Harmon? Uh, quick in and out today, uh, but definitely uh, getting down the stretch, man. This stuff uh, kind of sneaks up on us a little bit. It's like the, the grind of the middle of the season and then like, bam, playoff time. I know. I actually still can't believe there's six like six games left. Crazy. It's, uh, it, 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 there's still six weeks left, which feels uh, crazy. But yeah, man, I appreciate you. As always, it's definitely an interesting time with all these wide receiver cores in flux. So hopefully we can help some people out. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day's about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting fanduel.com slash Holka. First, that link does support the channel. So thank you. And even if you are not a first-time player, it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and start that process through my link that's fanduel.com slash holka to claim your bonus and start playing today it'll bring you right to our five dollar three entry max listener league contest that one i will be reviewing every week on stream quite honestly one of the best places you can put your money in all of dfs because it's completely rake free there's a whole lot of nfl action left this season so make sure you join our community over on fanduel pick a lineup stay under the salary cap and see where your team stacks up against the competition they've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests you can even set up private contests with your friends to experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the five dollar listener league or making your first deposit through fanduel.com holka the official daily fantasy sports partner of the joe holka show age and local restrictions apply bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner pristine auction a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just one dollar there's thousands of auctions ending daily so some of the crazy deals that you'll see actually pretty common whether it's a daily auction a weekly auction doesn't matter the marketplace is open 24 hours with no reserves also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code HOLKA when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings, but only if you're fully registered at Pristine Auctions, so hopefully it's with code HOLKA because it supports the channel, so thank you, and let's get back to the show. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Week 13 games of the week, DFS stacks and best bets going deep into some key situations that we have to get right this week in fantasy football, DFS, and betting. 
to help us break it all down per usual. He's a weekly guest on the Joe Holka Show. You guys know him from the worksheet at sharpfootballanalysis.com. On Twitter, at Lord Reeves. Rich Rebar, how we living, my man? Season's flying by. I mean, you say so, but it is, it is December. So <laughs> Not for you, it, maybe, yeah. I guess. Hey, when you got to write, like, what is it, like 5,000 words every week? I mean, there's one more bye week left. Uh, and then and check then in on me weeks, weeks 15, 16, 17. See how I'm doing. Oh, man. All <laughs> when right. Nobody's reading anything because only, what, 10% of their fantasy leagues are still alive. Uh, that's the thing right we were just talking about with Harmon. like half these people like they're either completely dead they've run into, i mean if you ha- i mean you've probably run into injuries at some point if you played season long this year right oh, yeah. like the, the running back position is just an absolute shambles so then we we start to see like some people trickle towards dfs and all that stuff but yeah man i'm with you like people are done reading waiver wire articles and that sort of thing <laughs> right uh but the good news is the worksheet has a lot of stuff uh, in the micro that i think can really help us in dfs and in season long so it's one of the things that i'm trying to add to my process a little bit more but i'm going to get you out of here as quick as possible this week Reeve so let's uh let's start with game number one we're starting with Vikings at Lions this week and Minnesota is currently a seven point road favorite in this one per FanDuel Sportsbook the total sits at just 46 and a half points the fifth highest on the main slate but we do love to attack these teams that are just like slightly below that top tier from an ownership perspective in GPP so nothing super notable from the sharp so far in the betting perspective but the money line is something we rarely talk about but what I thought was kind of interesting is that 89% of the money right now only 43% of the bets is actually on Minnesota at minus 300. So I don't know, Reeves, no Dalvin Cook. Uh, what were your initial thoughts with this one? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this slate as it lays out, I mean, we've got a lot of early games that are kind of more one-sided, and this one is one-sided, but at least this has a couple plays on the other side that maybe we can talk ourselves into. I mean, you've got the you know the Bucks against the Falcons. We've got the, the Colts are going to hammer spot against the Texans. Uh, it, it's it's just really kind of one side. We don't have a lot of these back and forth games in the early slate. The Eagles are at the Jets. So you'll see you'll see a lot of stacks. And then you later on, we have the Rams against mm-hmm. the Jaguars, who are huge favorites too. There's going to be a lot of Bucks, Colts, and Rams stacks out there. But I don't know if there's going to be any bringbacks. At least here, there might be a bringback or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I chose this game uh, like to it. mix it up. So we'll go with that. But yeah, I mean, you know, FanDuel did a good job this week. Um with most of the, the backup running backs, I mean, they, they price Alexander Madison up at 8,700. And I think that creates a nice little fulcrum point. Cause he's, he's not, he's at a spot where he still is arguably a really good play at 8,700 uh, yeah. against the lions team that has been absolutely crushed by running backs the entire season, but at least now makes you make a decision, right? He's just not an auto play at 7k yep. or six, five. Um, so I like that they did that. I don't like that they left Sony Michelle at 5-3, and we'll probably get to that when we get to the lineup building portion. Uh, maybe next year we'll do this on Fridays and we'll have the full uh, in- injury information, but FanDuel mm-hmm. leaving Sony Michelle out there at 5-3. How, how do they get uh, skip a, over that when Alexander Madison they move all the way basically the same price I think he is the exact same price as what Dalvin would have been so that that's a right. that's an interesting one I guess for for Madison before we move on kind of from that specifically uh, if we run the Sims on this game Reeves even at that price point he's the number one optimal rate player thirty percent of the optimal lineups still have Alexander Madison in them so uh, yeah I guess the price didn't matter but at least now we can make the decision before if he was like sixty five hundred he would have been the best play on the slate by a mile. Yeah, I mean, because we, we look at, you know, you know Kenny Wangu's not, he's he's not a, a traditional running back in the sense where, like, he's going to get a lot of touches. He'll get some touches, but, like, he's not going to get any money touches. Like, he's not going to get the goal line. He's not going to play on third downs, uh, even as exciting as it would be to see him get involved in the offense a little bit and what they can scheme up for him. So, I mean, Madison's still going to accrue all of that, all of those money touches we like against, like you said, a, a team that's literally been crushed by running backs all year except for Thanksgiving, uh, which actually was nice because we didn't play any David Montgomery anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a great spot for him as a huge favorite indoors. Uh, and honestly, Alexander Madison, he does not start a lot of NFL games, but when he does, they are against the Detroit Lions. Yeah, like well. he, he's, he's going to be his fifth start and his third start against the Lions and the previous two. He's at 145 yards and two touchdowns and 153 yards and a touchdown. Um, early in the season, he started one. He's in this season against Lions. He had 32 touches yep. in that game. So, yep. yeah, I mean, he, he's a, he's still a really good play still. Um, but it does, you know, create us with also another leverage point of, hey, we can still play this passing game if we want as well, uh, you know. Kirk Cousins is still, you know, he's coming off of only his fourth game where he wasn't a top 12 fantasy score on the week, uh, but all his peripheral stats are still really good. And he's, you know, going against the Lions team that's 29th in touchdown rate allowed to opposing quarterbacks. They're 31st in yards allowed per completion. They're 30th in passing points for fantasy allowed per pass attempt. They're only saving graces. They only face 30 pass attempts per game. 
uh, which is the second fewest in the league. But it's another good spot, I think, for Cousins to bounce back. And I think a lot of people might look at that early game and not want to play Cousins, right? He didn't hit. He didn't hit against the Lions earlier mm-hmm. in the season. But all the matchups, he still threw for 8.1 yards for pass attempt in that game. I still think it's a really good spot for him uh, and, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen uh, as well. You know, uh, Jefferson, we don't really need to really highlight a case for him anymore. I mean, look at his, since Clint Kubiak said that they were going to get him more involved in the offense, he's had target shares of 31%, 29%, and 28%. That's mm-hmm. what we love. A guy like I feel like he's still not even priced as high as he could be. Man, that there's a ton of guys in this game that are popping the optimals right now after the sim stuff. So like Justin Jefferson still sixteen percent even at that mm-hmm. price point. And then I'm sure you're gonna talk about Jamal Williams at some point, but he's yeah. the third highest frequency. So I think there actually could be some chalk in this game, even though it's like not like that, I guess, uh of mm-hmm. a high total. So I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this one because I think this might be like a really uh significant decision point on the slate overall for sure. Yeah, and you know, you still have Adam Thielen catching, doing what he does. You know, him him and Mike Evans both are basically living the same exact life that they lived last year. Not really catching a lot of passes, but they're getting in the box a lot, scoring a lot of touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, and living that life. So Thielen's still living that way. And Thielen only has one game when you think about like just the context of the offense. He only has one game where he's had fewer than twenty percent of the Minnesota targets. Still very condensed target tree, which we like. Um, and you he's know, been really, like the perfect late swap guy because he's always like at least half the ownership of Jefferson. Yes. So like you get him in there, you just hope he has a touchdown. Like last week, he gets in the box twice at like two yep. percent ownership and everything. It's like the perfect late swap guy, but the hard guy to click over Jefferson uh, when mm-hmm. they are pretty. I mean, they're priced pretty similar. They're only four hundred dollars apart on Fanduel, so uh, that's definitely yeah, an interesting proposal. Yeah. So and then and then yeah, on the Lions side, I mean, you know, obviously the big standout is Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. I mean, we're recording this at two thirty on a Thursday. The latest news is that he seems pretty doubtful to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a, a couple minutes ago. I saw across the line that he seems like a longer shot to play. So I mean, you really have Jamal Williams, and any time that we've had a, a a time for Jamal Williams to kind of play and, and, and accrue backfield touches, he's been really solid. Now, granted, previous versions were in the Green Bay offense. This is the Detroit offense. Sure. But Dan Campbell has shown that he's going to be run heavy no matter what. Like They're going to run the football a lot, and this offense is basically predicated on giving the ball to their backs. And Jamal Williams can catch the football. He came in on Thanksgiving and had five catches. They weren't for a ton of yards, but the fact that he is involved in the passing game and can catch football still gives us more a little bit of uh, a grasp of a floor. I think we'll see, you know, Jamar Jefferson and, you know, Godwin Ingebuke still get some touches. Uh, but I think that Jamal Williams still is going to accrue basically the, the lion's share. Uh, no pun intended on that. That was uh, totally uh, not intended. That was sharp, uh, Reeves. That, I, I know you didn't do that on purpose, but like, I would write that one down if I was you. It's pretty good. And he's going to be playing against this Vikings team that we talked about. Last week, we didn't know Elijah Mitchell was going to play it, but we talked about this spot against this Vikings defense, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're missing so many pieces. Michael Pierce and Daniel Hunter still probably aren't going to play. We'll see if Dalvin Tomlinson comes off the COVID list and can play. But they are 31st in EPA against the run. They just are not stopping the run at all this season. And the Vikings are, 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 are the Lions are still going to run the football. That's what they do. Uh, so I think that, you know, Jamal Williams obviously is a really good, kind of a floor play at his price. I think he's really, really a, a really sound play. And if you get a touchdown at these price points at FanDuel, like you're just really, really sitting pretty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people are going to get all the way down to Josh Reynolds again. Uh, you know, he did run another route on in, on 85% of the dropbacks on Thanksgiving, caught like the long touchdown pass to kind of start it off. Uh, I don't know how far we'll get down there, but he's another option you can kind of get cute with. Um, I don't know how know if we'll get there, but he does exist. The one guy I think to outright avoid is, is Hawkinson. I mean, the Vikings have absolutely crushed tight ends this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're third in the NFL in catch rate a lot of the tight ends. Uh, they've allowed just a 1.6 touchdown rate, percent touch rate to tight ends. I mean, you know, um, George Kittle just had one catch for 13 yards against them. Mark okay. Andrews, five for 44. Dalton Schultz, two for 11. Hawkinson himself had just two for 22. Uh, so they've been pretty good against tight ends. They used Pat Pete to guard uh, George Kittle last week, which was pretty interesting. Um, but he's going to be out, it looks like, this week, so they won't be able to do that with Hawkinson, but he didn't, obviously, they didn't do that in the first game, but yeah, I think that maybe we were looking at Jamal Williams and maybe a little bit of Josh Reynolds if we want to get really cute, but uh, I don't know if we'll get there. Yeah, I'm with you. I never really know what to do with some of these Detroit wide receivers anyways. It's like pick Mm -hmm. your poison, but the ceiling isn't going to be that high just because, I mean, they're not going to have a high team total 
basically ever like we were attacking this Minnesota defense like through the middle of the field they're bad and the, they're basically bad everywhere in the passing game uh, in terms of defending but man it, it is Jared Goff and it is uh, not a lot of uh, appeal here overall I, I don't know if I'll be stacking this one up completely but I do like the mini stacks even if you didn't even want to bring it back with anyone on Detroit I think it's totally fine to run out Justin Jefferson and Alexander Madison together um, and just hope to capture like a large majority of the touches on that offense overall so a- anything else on this game before we build a team no, I think that's pretty much it here. Okay, perfect. Uh, I do want everyone to know uh, some exciting news, I guess, on the channel. We're going to be uh, actually starting a new YouTube channel. Uh, so YouTube channel number two. So we're going to have some more clips and guest stuff over there, some exclusive picks every single week. So I could definitely use you guys' help to build that thing up. There's a link in the description. I'll take you right to it. Uh, there's probably a live link that's pinned in the chat also right now, but I uh, would appreciate some help uh, with that. And uh, let's go ahead and build that team, Reeb. So this is the Listener League. We have another Listener League this year, per usual, or this week, per usual. It is a 165-person Listener League. They did make it a little bit smaller Mm -hmm. since we haven't been filling it up every week. Uh, So that's interesting. But it's still $5, still rake-free, three max. Um, So let's see. If we were to stack this one up, do you want to be on the cousin side of this one, Reebs, I would imagine? Yeah, so we can play cousins and okay. let's just play both receivers and see if we can because it's a one one sixty five person field. Let's go mm-hmm. crazy. I like it. You know, I like is, it. You yeah, know, if it's gonna be that small, like that's when you say like sixteen fifty. It's a little bit bigger. It's sixteen fifty. Oh, sorry. 16. Yeah, I probably yeah, said that uh, wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I thought you said yeah. One like one sixty five. Let's go crazy. But uh, right. uh, but yeah, that's you know you're not gonna play Josh Reynolds unless you get some real large field stuff. Yeah, so I guess my biggest question is, do we want to bring it back with Jamal on the other sure, side yeah. of this let's, just to get some salary saving? Let's mm-hmm. use his 65 and just see what we have to play with. Cool. All right, um, so we still have 6K or so the rest of the way on this one. Um, you could probably add one more uh, to this. Like Kirk is one of those guys that I'm, I don't hesitate to even triple with like adding Conklin to that or even adding uh, Madison in this case, but I don't think we have to start there for sure. Is there any other guys that you're, I guess, especially bullish on so far this week? Not really uh, in this game particularly, but, you know, b- before you force me to, just go ahead and throw in Dolphins defense. Let's go. You know you know the drill at this point, man. It's not for me. It's for the people watching. I it's know. a lot it's harder true. to figure out where we're at right now if we yep. don't have a defense in there. So, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, Dolphins against uh, Giants, no issues there. So, plug in Dolphins are at home, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we'll get them in at home. Yep. Uh, so, let's go with... Let's go with a mini I like that you possibly can check out in another video Mm -hmm. that we will have on the site. Uh, Let's play Marquise Brown and Mm -hmm. Friermuth. And Friermuth is questionable. He did practice yesterday. So keep in mind, if he doesn't play, we'll have to pivot and go to like, uh, you know, the island of Austin Moreau. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll play Hollywood and Friermuth in this one. Friermuth is 5,400, man. A touchdown score. He's been scoring almost every week, I think. And they just haven't moved his price. Five touchdowns his past five games. Yeah. Um, I like that. You get a little bit of uh, the matchup, you know, too, against the Ravens. Mm-hmm. So let's see. We've I like got... that. So that's 6,800 the rest of us. So we still have a ton of sour to work with. We could probably even jam in one of these uh, these elite wide receivers if we wanted to. If we wanted to go that Mixon or Eckler route, I think this would be totally fine. Or, I mean, just adding Madison to this, I, I think, would make some sense also. But I'll leave it up to you. Yeah, I don't know how much money we would have left to fill that flex, right? Like to say if we, yeah, you're right. It is probably just out of reach. So if we even played Madison, we had 5K uh, in that last spot. So we probably do want to move down a tier. Um, I guess if we wanted to like get crazy, I think this Washington and uh, Las Vegas game could end up being relatively popular, but we'll see. Uh, Josh Jacobs is 7K. I almost decided to put this one on there, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I figured there's really only two plays that we're going to talk about in that game that I care about. And I figured we'd get to him here. Okay. So I was already thinking we'd get to Gibson in the flex. He's going to be super chalky. He's going to be the the chalky guy. Okay. Um, So we'll put him in the flex because he's a four, uh, Mm -hmm. four PM. So 7,500 the rest of the way, if we just threw him in the running back slot for now. So that's basically Cordero Patterson, Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, like tons of, uh, tons of room here for sure. So is there, I guess, a guy of those that you would prefer? Yeah, I think the guy I like here that I think is going to really get overlooked and lost in the sauce this week. I don't know if he'll be come up on TJ's uh, talking points at all as leverage points uh, is James Conner mm-hmm. at uh, 7,300 because he's going to play his first game with Kyler Murray as the feature back. And, like you know, and, you know, that's I feel like that game might go overlooked a little bit. Plus the upside of just having Kyler back that offense comes out and, you know, is really kind of optimal uh, at his price range. We know he's got touchdown equity. He's been catching the football. Uh, the past three games, uh, and we're gonna Chase Evans is gonna be out, so I feel like he's gonna be pretty underowned uh, this weekend. 
I like that one. I haven't really considered. I guess the, the positive is that they held Kyler out probably a week later than when he could have come back, and then they went they went right into the bye, right? So like he mm-hmm. should be. I mean, as healthy as he's been in weeks, so hopefully he comes back and we can kind of get things back on track for uh, for the Cardinals. But I, I like the Connor call. I don't think a lot of people are going to go that way. But even just like looking at the Sims, Reeves uh, fifth highest frequency this week. Uh, James Connor at seventy three hundred. So you're all over the crab so far. So I like it. Uh, let's move on. Game number two. We have Chargers at. At Bengals, Cincinnati's currently a three-point home favorite per FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under is sitting at 50.5, tied for the highest on the slate with Tampa Bay and Atlanta. 74% of the bets are still already on the over in this one. So, Reeves, can we expect this one to shoot out, you think? Maybe. I mean, the Chargers, they got to give it to us, right? Like, we don't know what Chargers team we're going to get any week. Mm-hmm. It's its its either all or nothing with them. We're, we're getting, like, we talked about a couple weeks ago with Herbert, how he's been, like, the ultimate, like, GPP bro quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because he either finishes as, like, the QB1 or, like, the QB18 every week. Right. Uh, <laughs> so what will we get this week? It's, it's hard to tell because the Bengals are a team that really aren't going to blitz a lot. Uh, they're going to try to get home with four. Uh, so that that has uh, swerved a little bit in der- like where Herbert has thrived. But then the Broncos didn't do that last week, and it didn't help at all. Broncos mm-hmm. didn't blitz him at all last week. He was just bad, um, just downright terrible. Uh, so it's an interesting matchup here because the FanDuel for the first time, it's the first time in his week 13, they have priced Joe Mixon over 8K. The first time. What a world, man. Uh, yeah, and he's and then not only did they take him over 8K, he went to 9-4. Mm-hmm. But uh, he scored a touchdown in eight straight games. He's got multiple touchdowns in four straight games. The Chargers have allowed a rushing touchdown in seven straight games. That's the longest streak in the league. Uh, so it does seem like an optimal spot for Joe Mixon. I will say with with hesitancy, though, you know I like to look at like these team splits and their touchdowns. The past three weeks, the Bengals have nine offensive touchdowns and seven are rushing. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, it was 21 passing touchdowns to six rushing touchdowns. I always talk about how these things shift, right, in a season. Sure. You don't make it through where a team just is dominant really and like has like 80% of the touchdowns come through the air. It's very rare it happens. So Mixon's hot streak also co- coincides with like that regression finally happening. So we might see that thing start a little bit. Uh, the other thing with the Chargers is if you look at their season-long stats, they're terrible against the run. Uh, but since they've come out of this bye, they have now shifted. They, they're actually your second in the NFL in loaded box frequency. They're trying to stop the run. Uh, they, they were they were 31st in the NFL prior to the bye week. We talked about this ad nauseum throughout the course of the season, right? Mm-hmm. They want to invite you to run. They're trying to, you know, not give up big plays to the air. They've actually shifted, and they're trying to stop the run. Now, they granted, they, like I said, they still a lot of rushing touchdowns, seven straight games, but they have been, from an efficiency stance, a lot better against the run since the bye. So maybe that just helps a little bit if they devote their resources to stop the run. But here's the problem. If you devote your, devote your resources to stop the run against the Bengals, they can easily just go three wide on you. Right. That's that, that was going to be my first question, right? Because we talked about them at, like you said, the whole year about like they really just don't want to give up that deep ball. They're the second mm-hmm. best team in the league in terms of QBR against the deep ball. Do you think like with their new, I guess, like is there anything to like them ch- kind of changing that scheme a little bit? So now they are a little bit more susceptible to the deep ball because no one's going to play Jamar Chase, I feel like this week again. Yeah. So if you look at some of their splits, like if you look at just their season long wide receiver splits, they look like they're awesome still. Mm-hmm. But since they're by the past four weeks, they're more middle of the pack. And we've seen receivers start to have some good games against them. Devontae Smith had 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Chase Claypool had 93 yards. Devontae Smith had 100 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson had 143 yards against them. Because they're pull, they're pulling guys in to stop the run, mm-hmm. they're starting to give up more things downfield uh, since they've come out of the bye. So we'll see how they approach defending the Bengals team because now that the Bengals' offensive line has kind of come alive a little bit here and they're starting to play some smash-mouth football, um, this now is the dealer's choice. Like, what do, how do you defend them now? This was like right. the missing link for the Bengals because mm-hmm. now if they're able to go game script sensitive or game game approach sensitive to how teams are defending them and able to just, well, we'll run it on you. Yep. Now what do you do? Because they'll just go three wide, right? They can just go three wide on you if you want to stop the run and then they'll open up. I mean, it's... It is kind of a conundrum here now for teams defending the Bengals, and it's kind of it could be trouble. We don't know going in how teams are going to defend them, so mm-hmm. it is kind of a, a crapshoot for for fantasy football. But it also makes them kind of an almost an ironclad offense to be attached to in some capacity um, because they're going to be good in all assets, right? 
So. Yeah, this is like almost <laughs> like uh, kind of the inverse in, in, in some ways of the Minnesota and Detroit game that we talked about. So if you haven't checked out uh, that video, definitely do that next. But uh, I'll say this, like, is it like Mixon versus Eckler? Like you said, the prices haven't been as close yet. Both of these guys are being used uh, as bell cows at this point of the year. So like there's not a lot of uh, bell cows standing at this point, uh, but mm-hmm. they're both uh, looking pretty good in the Sims right now. But the guy, as we kind of transition over to L.A. that I wanted to uh, get your take on was actually Keenan Allen because we're giving away I don't know if you know this Reeves we're giving away a giant Keenan Allen photo this week so I'll show it on screen right now uh, for you guys to see this but uh, yeah so basically if you check out my Twitter uh, you'll be able to get in on that giveaway and uh, we're actually going to be doing uh, this I'm trying to think of the exact day I'll be giving it away Uh, but just go to my Twitter it's a pinned tweet uh, pretty easy you just have to like and retweet the tweet Uh, fill out the pristine auction form obviously this all comes from pristine auction and then you have to sub to the new YouTube channel uh, and then uh, you'll be entered to win that giant uh, Keenan Allen thing which I think is uh is pretty sweet but yeah i'm curious your thoughts on that side of the ball in this game for sure yeah i mean uh hopefully that brings good touchdown fortune to keenan allen because right? he only has two touchdowns on the year <laughs> yeah. and only four end zone targets but he's been a target succubus again i mean he's got uh double digit targets in five straight games the only thing that's really hurt him is that he's just not scoring touchdowns uh you know on FanDuel. um the Bengals are more susceptible in the middle of the field than, than in terms of downfield stuff too so it does kind of fit the the corollary of where we would want to play him i think it's a good matchup for him uh same thing with austin eckler i mean the Bengals are a team like he said they don't try to give up a lot of big stuff uh it's why they've given up production to slot receivers tight ends and running backs uh running backs especially have really damaged them their 30th and receiving points allowed per game to running backs. so definitely a good spot for eckler eckler doesn't he only has more than 12 rushing attempts in one of his past six games um, just really doing it a lot through the air too as well um, almost like the old uh, like Camaro role, right? Where we'd see it almost mm-hmm. like split directly down the middle. But man, that was like still super valuable for fantasy because he was still getting all of the high equity touches around the goal line, right? So yeah, Eckler, yeah. like if you're just looking at his box score, you'd be like, oh, okay, like maybe his volume isn't as crazy as it seems, but he's getting all the stuff that matters. Yeah, yeah touchdowns, especially. Yeah, that too. <laughs> he's, got, he's got seven rushing touchdowns and seven receiving touchdowns, yeah. uh, which, is, which is pretty wild. Um, and it's just really like the, the chargers have just kind of really froze us out of big Mike, man. Like he's just not getting the overall volume. He hasn't seen, uh, 20% of the team targets in any of his past six games. They're not taking any downfield shots at all. They've become like a really low a dot team and we don't really have to chase. Like it's different when we're playing guys like T Higgins weekly because all the peripherals are lining up. Right. Yep. Like with Mike, there's just no peripherals that tell us like he's a smash. Like mm-hmm. he's just not getting a lot of targets. Where are the air yards? Where are these things? They're just, they, they just evaporated. It's crazy because uh, so, of how much success they were having, yeah. right? Like, how do you just completely abandon something that's working that well? Because, like, we all thought that it might, like, come back. He was a little bit banged up for a little bit. too. There's all these, like, excuses you could make for why this wasn't working, right? But it just really never came back. My, my co-host on the Sharp Angles podcast, Dan Pazuta, believes it's because they've had to use him as a strictly deep threat because they have no other deep threats on the roster. Like, they sure. have no other speed. Um, they have no other wide receiver speed. Uh, or downfield options so they've had to use him in that capacity while because Josh Palmer's been playing more snaps and Josh Palmer's not that guy so as Josh Palmer's been playing more snaps they've had to use Mike Williams to just go downfield and run guys off but because Mike Williams isn't necessarily like a burner as a downfield guy he's more of a clasher like a 50 50 jump ball yeah. guy it's it's hurt him because he's not a separator right so he's not getting open on those routes either mm-hmm. So it's hurt him from getting those targets and it's removed him from getting like those intermediate targets that in the beginning of the year existed when he was in that, the quote unquote, like Michael Thomas role, the Joe right. Biden, Michael Thomas role. So I don't know how much truth there is that to that, but it does inherently does make some sense because the Chargers just don't have no other, they have no other vertical player on this team. Uh, yeah. So it, it does think that he's been kind of pigeonholed and kind of archetyped into that role. Once again, here we are with big Mike, but there's just no targets for him. Like where are the targets? Where's, where's the things for us to latch onto? Where's the meat on the bone yeah. for us? Um, I'm with you. It's it's a, it's a yeah. weird. This game's kind of weird, Reeves. Like I, I think there's like some stuff to to latch onto here, but you can poke some holes in a lot of these guys, and the prices mm-hmm. are very expensive. One of the prices that stood out, at least, like I mean, if we want to go back to T Higgins, he just got there for us. He's 6600. He's like one of the cheapest guys in this game that we could go to potentially. Like I, I don't know, man. Like Eckler's 9K. Uh, Mike Williams obviously is still in that price range. I guess Mike Williams versus T Higgins. If we're trying to figure out one of those guys to go to, it's probably T Higgins, right? Like I don't know, maybe I'm. Maybe I have bias because of last week. Well, I mean, people think like Higgins, we were just chasing him like Robbie Anderson. Higgins was actually good prior right. to like he was giving us like like wide receiver two, wide receiver three fringe weeks. He sure. was sending us the ceiling weeks. 
It wasn't like we were blindly just chasing air yards, hmm. uh, which we will do at times. Like being a usable player, yeah. I actually do have one intriguing guy to float by you here. Okay, and it's Tyler Boyd. Um, because of the way the defense of the Chargers is, is structurally set up, they give up a lot of interior uh, and stuff to tight ends. But the Bengals have already shown us like they they're not going to give CJ Uzoma a lot of targets. Right, he's had these two spike weeks, but he doesn't get a lot of targets ever. Mm-hmm. So is there some signal here like this could be a matchup that Tyler Boyd can take advantage of? He's the guy that really isn't our type of guy. But, you know, I do wonder if it is a spot for him to kind of, you know, two weeks ago, he had 29 percent of the team targets. I do wonder if this is another zone based defense like the Raiders were, mm-hmm. uh, that it could be another spot for him to kind of be like, like de facto tight end. When people look at like Chargers versus tight ends, it might be a spot to say, well, this could be Tyler Boyd getting those targets in that area of the field. I'll tell you how I would use the Boyd play. It would be one of those teams that has one of the chalkier stacks late. So maybe you end up attacking some of the, mm-hmm. the Rams players, whatever it may be. And you take a shot on Tyler Boyd with your 1 p.m. lineup. Maybe it's a mini stack with Austin Eckler or Keenan Allen or something like that, because you're automatically going to differentiate from the chalk in this game with a unique piece. And if you just happen to hit on that one piece of Cincinnati that hits and then all the Burrow stacks are completely dead because they've got Jamar Chase, they've got uh, even Joe Mixon, that sort of thing. I think that's how you separate. So it's like all this stuff to me is based on what type of lineup they would fit in. That would be kind of how I would approach using Boyd, like someone that we probably wouldn't really play. But I mean, he's going to be sub five percent, sub five percent. So I think that's how that's how I would use him for sure. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 look, he's not typically, you know, he's, he's a guy you can play on the other side. But uh, he is kind of a guy that's intriguing, I think, for stacking this game. The other site. I love I love when you say that. Uh, speaking of the other site, we're going to build a FanDuel team today. Uh, this is a Joe Hulk Show listener league. But before we do that, I want everyone to pause this video. Let me know in the comments your favorite week 13 stack. We want to hear from you guys. Let's build a game stack around Cincinnati and uh, L.A. Chargers for this one. So we want to go to Herbert side or the Burrow side. Reeves, this is your team. Yeah, I think with them being road dogs, we go the Herbert side. And, okay. you know, obviously it's boom or bust, but, you know, that's what we're here for. I like it. I like it. So we go on Keenan on this one. Have we given up on Mike Williams, you think, or is he one of those guys? I don't that think we've given it up, but like I said, there's just not a lot of peripherals. What's to the upside? Yeah. Say, like, I mm-hmm. want, like, like, what's, they're not giving us a reason to play him. Sure. Basically is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, if you want to play Mike Williams, you're being contrarian against everything, right? You're just playing him to play him. There's sure. nothing that they're giving. There's like no matchup advantage. There's no uh, usage side things from the Chargers. Like you're really just chasing. So, I yeah. mean, you could get there. I mean, he's, he's still out there running routes. Uh, so you could get there. But I mean, as far as like stacking this game, I think we would go Herbert, Keenan, and, and Eckler. Yes, I was just going to say, I think this is a build we would put Eckler on. And then I I think that the decision here is if we really want to blow everything at the running back position and bring it back with Mixon, or maybe we try out uh, Boyd on the other side of these stacks as well. I would say we probably don't have the salary to do Mixon or Chase, but um, I think either of those bring backs would be okay on the Cincinnati sign with T. Let's just see what it looks like with uh, Boyd then, because we brought him up and I like to at least build, I always like to build the lineups of things we talk about. I love yeah, the, the listeners well, don't have to do it, but you know, it at least gives them a. Uh, yeah, anyone that's watching this later in the week, just keep in mind that we did build this on Thursday. These are just kind of ideas how to like uh, use this stuff that we're talking through for the specific game. If you did want to build around it in DFS, like this is something that you should definitely be uh, using your own, uh, I guess, uh, touch on throughout uh, Sunday and whatnot. So, uh, defense, Reeves, uh, do we want to? I guess we played the Chargers, or no, we, we played on the Dolphins on the last one. I think the Chargers are reasonable on the other side as well, but is there a cheaper defense? this week that you've been kind of throwing into placeholder teams like i've been kind of defaulting to the chargers for the most part yeah mostly just the dolphins is as low as i've been going okay um, well, let's just toss them in there for now again these are not lineups that like yeah. people are going to be trolling out anyways i would think uh, i think unless... they're going to be the most popular so you might want to get away from in terms too i mean it might be maybe a week where you just pay up for like the colts or something sure okay uh 6400 um, the rest of the way um with uh four slots left so what are you thinking all right so let's do a mini from one of our previous videos that you mm-hmm. can check out and let's do jefferson and jamal williams nice i like that i was gonna say maybe madison on this team but i think i like the mini with jefferson and williams a lot just because that really helps with the price like though i think oh, jamal is gonna be really popular obviously at that price point but just adding jefferson to it i think might differentiated a little bit so we have a lot of 1 p.m players here uh all 1 p.m players so um in the 4 p.m game we have a tight end to fill we also have a flex so 
Um, tight end wise, we could try and figure out. Oh, I probably don't have the salary to to put Kittle in this. We could go with your boy Fryermuth again. Try and see uh, where that. Well, leads I think us. we've got enough salary to probably just run another four PM mini, and we can do the Island of Foster Moreau and Gibson. And we could. I don't hate that. Got a lot of correlation. God. This this Gibson this uh, Foster Moreau thing is is one of the ones that's gonna absolutely kill me this week I think but uh, Gibson yeah that fits perfectly he, he actually on Fanduel I don't think will be as chalky as the other site that yeah he, he could, be right. He could um, be right I think on Fanduel because you have Fryermuth right above him mm-hmm. right and you, you know we're in touchdown or bust territory at these tight ends anyways sure um, but I mean I also I think there's a strong argument I mean we didn't really talk about this game but last time that Darren Waller missed the game in Week Seven he played 100 percent snaps didn't come off the field. Uh, he caught a touchdown in the game. He's got, you know, some end zone equity. Uh, so, I mean, I don't, it's a touchdown or bust play on Vandal, really. Yeah, that was the move that I the wasn't field. willing to make uh, in that week that you're talking about, but a lot of sharp people uh, did take that chance. So let's go ahead and keep this thing moving, Reeves. Uh, game number three, we have Steelers at Ravens. Baltimore is a minus four and a half point road favorite per FanDuel Sportsbook. This game features the third lowest over under on the slate at just 44 mm-hmm. points, which was a bit surprising to me. Uh, seems like the Sharps and the public seem to be in on the Ravens here, even on the road. But where would you land on this one, Reeves? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been shorting the Steelers kind of all season. So, But I can see, so this game is not going to be for the faint of heart if you're playing this game. Sure. This is a 4 p.m. Could be terrible. This game could be 16 to 10. It could be 13 to 10. It could be terrible. Or maybe it gets in the mid-20s. Right. I mean, the Ravens are a defense that give up huge plays. Uh, they're very, you know, kind of all over the place. They're very on and off, all or nothing in game. And then offensively, they've been terrible the last three weeks. There's just no way around it. I mean, they have three offensive touchdowns on 35 drives. Uh, Lamar didn't start one of those games, but they've been awful. Um, But the Steelers' defense is really just coming into this game, just hanging on a thread right now. T.J. Watt's not going to play in this game. Joe Hayden looks like he might miss this game. They have been absolutely getting steamrolled the past couple weeks. Uh, The Chargers put up 41 points on them. The Bengals put up 41 points on them. This defense is not the Steelers' defense that you grew up with. Right. And, you know, I've experienced like they they have just have too many injuries, too many guys on the lineups. They just are not playing well. So there is some opportunity for maybe some flop lag for the Ravens offense to get some of this early season spark when Lamar was averaging nine yards for pass attempt and it, you know has been bad. So this is going to be an all or nothing game. Like this is this this is what I like about this game from a tournament perspective. Though, and why I wanted to talk about it and build lineups around it is because yeah it could be gross man this this could be awful but yeah, it's not you, a catch <laughs> you, you won't see so uh if we run the sims on this uh uh run the sims.com slash holga 10 percent off all that stuff but you don't see really any of this game in the sims right it probably has a decent amount uh to do with like the lower total also but like we see some of these games end up being like really unique pieces that you can build around right like put chalk around uh, a like a skinny stack of this game or a mini stack of this game and if you end up hitting on just this game not being gross right you can really differentiate in that way or maybe the whole slate's gross again reeves like it's uh i guess one of those years where the scoring is down across the board we saw michael leone take down the thunderdome last week with a big ben stack so if the slate is completely gross sometimes finding just a different game than the field that doesn't completely uh, go nuts um, when all the chalk is really condensed like that is kind of what we're trying to do here Reeves and tournaments is be different so I, I don't mind this stack I don't mind this game I just think this is one of those ones I'd want to build the best plays around if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, yeah and you know the other thing too is you know keep in mind like what what fields you're placing like these lineups in, exactly you know? know when you don't need 200 points to win a tournament right right yep. like <laughs> you know yeah i should know preface you... that the leone one i'm talking about it's 50 people right so it's very small that's the stuff that a lot of it, uh, the people that watch these i think play anyways uh well, just I because i think those are the best the ones video, people are like this lineup didn't score this many points and it's like yeah does that matter it, it, it's not built for that it, well remember two weeks ago when you won your tournament and yeah. jonathan taylor had 50 points yeah you can't win a large field tournament without Jonathan Taylor, but small field. Yeah, wow. and even the lineup that I built that was like a complete onslaught of that game, it wasn't built to even beat probably a thousand people. It was built to yeah. beat like a hundred or less, right? So you got to think yeah. about which types of uh, lineups you're building and what it suits, right? So I think that's Absolutely. something that like we all we will talk about that, and people guess probably like roll their eyes at us at this point, Reese. But like honestly, like there's tons of edges left, and that is one of the biggest ones. Build lineups for specific contests. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean m- most people that I talk to that get into like single entry stuff or three max stuff. They still get into these tournaments where you still need to shoot for like having, you know, 180 yeah. to 200 point upside, mm-hmm. right? 
like so you still have to build your construct your teams that way people think it's like now the single entry well, part of it is completely yes. irrelevant right and, and yeah, i know that's, that's the point you're making right it, like yeah. the field size is what matters doesn't matter if it's three max doesn't matter if it's single entry like you could play like any of these like there, there's tons of single entry contests that will have five thousand people in them you're still not building it like a single entry you're building it like a five thousand person tournament you know what i mean yes. so correct all right correct. anything so else in this game stand out yeah, I mean, well, so there are some pieces there, like I said, I mean, well, the Steelers, like I said, they've been getting absolutely steamrolled. They've been awful against the run, but if obviously we don't want to play any of these running backs, Lamar's mm -hmm. been is the best running back still the Ravens have. Um, you know, De Devontae Freeman's been solid, but he, when he doesn't score a touchdown, he's been pretty worthless. So yeah. he's basically been a touchdown or bust fantasy option. Uh, you know, you saw it touch Latavius Murray 17 to 8, but uh, I am interested in Hollywood here. Because what's happened is the the deep balls dried up in a similar capacity. It's happened for Jamar Chase, right? You've mm -hmm. got this player that just lived on deep targets early in the season and thrived on connecting on those. And variance kind of now has swung in the other direction because they are low leverage targets. And we've seen that happen with Jamar Chase. And we've seen that happen with Hollywood Brown. The past three games, Lamar Jackson played. He's three of eighteen passing on throws fifteen yards or further downfield. Uh, previously, he had connected on forty seven percent, which was top eight in the league. Um, but Hollywood is still just getting jammed with targets. Mm -hmm. Look at, look at his targets each game. Even last week when the deep ball is there, he still caught eight of 10 targets. They just moved the targets in. He, yeah. he is 14, 12, 13, and 10 targets his past four games, 32% of the team targets over the past four games he's played. Mm -hmm. They've actually relegated Bateman on Sunday night. He only ran a route on 58% of the team dropbacks, uh, the kind of That's like, surprising. The kind of like stump some of his like little buzz that he's been going mm -hmm. um that he had going for him. I mean, Rashad Bateman's had a very different NFL season on the field than NFL Twitter has perceived it. Sure, um, that'll it's happen. still been very positive, but you know, he's just not getting a lot of targets and they're not using him a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been good when they do throw to him. And I think that's what's popping. And people are like, well, he should get more targets. But the Ravens have not leaned into that at all. They are yep. still just throwing the ball to Hollywood and Mark Andrews. That's all they're doing. Um the interesting thing about Mark Andrews, and we would never fade Mark Andrews because of like any match or anything, but you know, he's never scored a touchdown against the Steelers. They are only allowing a two for seven percent touchdown rate to opposing tight ends. That's fourth. Uh, you know, that's not gonna move us off of anything on Andrews, but it does uh oh, and circling back to the deep ball thing, I went before I got, you know. Uh, off track there as as I'm prone that's to that's right. I, I I drove us even further off the bridge on that one, so it's all good. Well, the Steelers are actually bad against deep ball. We said they might not have Joe Hayden here. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe we can get some regression to kind of kick back in, right, mm -hmm. for Hollywood. They're 27th in completion rate allowed on those targets, uh, and they've allowed a touchdown on those targets in each of the last three games. So maybe we can catch a little Hollywood flop lag. If you check out uh, another stack in another earlier video, we did run a Hollywood mini in there too as well. Before we build a lineup, I am going to bug you guys one last time to take 30 seconds out of your day to subscribe to the new YouTube channel. But also, if you want to help me move this show forward, rate this podcast.com slash the Joe Holka show. It would mean the absolute world. Uh, building up the podcast is not easy. So I could appreciate uh, anything that you guys can do on the ratings and review side of things. Reeves, uh, let's go ahead and build a lineup here. This one uh, will be, I guess if you choose it, will be in the listener league uh, at FanDuel.com slash Holka. So we're talking through Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I assume we're not playing Big Ben, but I mean, I'll leave that up to you, man. It was good enough for Leone last week. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, no. Yeah, listen, this game was so exciting that it just, it just, just like everyone fell asleep and I had to start over. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just froze it out. It, it, take that as a sign for everybody, you know, building the lineup. That hasn't them. happened all year, knock on wood. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's the sign that this game is just a complete dumpster. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, we would start with Lamar, right. uh, Lamar and Hollywood. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we can run it back with, I believe, Chase Claypool. Okay. Uh, Deontay Johnson also fine, but we talked about with this Ravens defense, we typically, we didn't talk about the Steelers side at all, but sure. we, they're, they're a complete pass funnel. They just nuke the run, uh, but they give up chunk plays in the passing game when they do give up plays. And we mm -hmm. know Deontay's going to get his, that he, he lives that life. But if they do, if we're chasing a chunk play, it's going to be, you know, from Claypool. And he actually does have 21% of team targets each of the past two games, uh, and has kind of gotten there, uh, the past two weeks from a yardage perspective. We just need that touchdown. You have any interest in Najee at 8K? Like he's one of those guys that's priced all the way up that I've been kind of skipping over, but not for like a super good reason, to be honest. 
I mean, we talked about this particularly a couple weeks ago, and Jake came on after me and told me I was wrong about Dave Montgomery. <laughs> I do not like playing running backs against the Ravens. They sell out to stop the run. Uh, it could lead to a big play, but like you've seen it even on Sunday night, they nuked the Browns running game. Like mm-hmm. they like a way more elite rushing game. And the Steelers have been terrible running the football play. And right. we thought this would be a problem early in the season. And we we're like, oh, no, Najee's getting so much volume. It doesn't matter. But look at, like, Najee the past couple weeks, though. Like, he got into the box against the Chargers, which saved him. Uh, after one of those, it was either a block punt or, or, or pass interference. And he got the one-yard touchdown. But yeah. they have been horrendous running the football lately. Uh, and I just don't know if they're going to get anything going on the ground in this game. Yeah, like I said, like, there's really not a lot of players uh, in the Sims right now. Najee at AK is certainly nowhere near uh, the top when there's a lot of uh, decent options this week at running back. So I'm fine leaving that the way it is. Uh, we could uh, double Lamar with Andrews, but I'm fine rolling with just the, the skinny stack. Uh, yeah, for we'll this just one. go small here because this is one if you said we want to play maybe with some chalkier items in the early games. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to force us to do one thing, though, because we haven't done this yet on the other uh, games we've gone over. I do want to play Alexander Madison on this team. He's 8,700. He's expensive, uh, but against Detroit, I think he's in an absolutely smash spot. So we're going to have to go with some value here. I'm going to go ahead and toss in uh, our Dolphins defense placeholder because they're kind of a mid-range defense. There'll be some stuff throughout the week ownership-wise. I think we can make a better decision later on. So 6,300 the rest of the way. Yeah, or Sony, right? So like, yeah, keep an eye on that. That's a a nice salary saver right there that gets you up to some studs definitely. But 6,300 the rest of the way. Um, Do we want to jam in Kittle on this team? I think Kittle is one of those guys that like I I have weird blinders for because every time I play Kittle, he's absolutely terrible. Just paying up for tight end hasn't gone very well for Joe this year across the board uh but man no no debo like kittle against seattle i don't know maybe that game gets gross but i like having that slot open at 4 p.m because then i could always move to fryer or something like that if things get weird yeah you can i mean this this that's the thing about this stack in particular too you don't even have to like this game mm-hmm. uh when you can get there but look at all the salary we have to move around if we need it true true i mean we've got tons of movement here that we have at our disposal for late swapping so we can so if madison doesn't hit you know, we're chasing. I mean, we're already way off the beaten path, though. That's the sure. thing. Yeah, so if we're, if we're like pretty far off the beaten path, is there uh, a mini stack maybe at 1 p.m. that you like where we wouldn't have to worry as much about playing some chalk? Like, I, I think like earlier in the, early in the week, I think we, we've talked a little bit about Antonio Gibson being pretty popular on this slate. I still mm-hmm. think that like in, like David Montgomery, people are going to go back to that well. Maybe people will chase the Leonard Fournette touchdowns. Jamal Williams at 1 p.m. is going to be very popular, but we already have Madison on this team. So is, is there a mini that you like? I'm fine running the Antonio Gibson one again if that's your preference um i mean as far as minis go that i think everything's kind of one-sided really like my favorite mini probably in the early one is like I said if you're gonna do like jefferson and jamal williams mm-hmm. we've done that on a couple rosters uh that we've built so far just because he's so he's so cheap uh it's funny with leonard for we're in the same exact spot we were last week right like yeah you've got you think, brady's you think gonna, brady's be, gonna be chalky again yeah i mean how could he not be i mean yeah, how atlanta how, yeah. Against Atlanta, who's been so bad against opposing quarterbacks, they don't rush the passer. It fails for people well, last week, and now people don't even care, man. It's the worst. Like it's literally where we're at right now. Like a couple years ago, we used to be able to get like print money with playing Brady that like after like a flop lag game like that. So that's that's rough, man. But you're right; he's probably gonna be the most like popular quarterback now that I'm looking at deeper. Yeah, Brady's gonna be super popular again, and you'll see Evans and Godwin bring backs, and we could play like one of those guys. If you want to play a receiver, okay. uh, a Tampa Bay receiver, we could play Godwin. We could. I think I'm trying to think of like Godwin versus Evans this week, ownership wise. Like I, I still think that Evans is always going to be lower though, right? I think okay, it's it's always like the safer thing to go with Godwin. They're like basically the same price. Let's go with Evans just because I think that like the touchdown score, like it's easier for my brain to wrap my head around that. Yeah, we yeah. could probably, uh, we can't fit in Cordero on this team. We definitely need some salary saving the rest of the way now. So we could play Jamal. Um, we could just play Sony as a placeholder too. But is there another running back on the cheaper side that you like besides those guys? Did you stick Kittle on this team or no? Kittle is for now, but he doesn't have to be. I was going to say, we could go down to either Fryermuth on the other side mm-hmm. and run it, but it would give us two Steelers, or we could just go to fi- the Foster Moreau thing again. We could. I mean, that that's the Foster Moreau thing is still totally fine, right? Because all you need is that touchdown there. And I, I, like I said, like paying up for tight end has not gone well for Joe this year. Well, so he's, also another, he's also another 4 p.m. player that you, True. you could blow this thing up if you had to well, we got but the, the, the one-year players that we have like we still have madison chalk we have uh mike evans so yeah we probably need to find at least one more lower owned play at 1 p.m i would imagine so um, yeah we so we do need another one off for sure on this team particularly because we need to know if it hits or not 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but the problem is, is it's not going to be a running back because we can't fit any of them in. Well, we can fit in Cordero Patterson if we're willing to go to 5,400 in the flex because then we'd have our mini with, uh, with Evans and Cordero Patterson. And Patterson's not going to be owned always. He's never owned. Yeah, he is never owned against the Bucks, though. But you're I mean, right. it's not. A, I mean, I, mean, I, that's listen, I talk for. myself out of Cordero Patterson every week and every week he gets there. So you're right. <laughs> we don't have to. I'm just saying it's an option. It does handcuff us a little bit if we do that, though. There's really not a ton. Um, so is there like a guy that'd be a little bit cheaper than that at running back? So 7,400 for Cordero Patterson. We could go with like a Saquon Barkley mini. He's 7,200. We could kind of flip the build a little bit um, for the Raiders and just play Jacobs and Moreau together. I just feel like that's kind of negatively correlated if we need a touchdown for Moreau. So probably wouldn't right. go that way. Um, David Montgomery, go back to that well again, I guess, with him failing last week. But the snaps and stuff were there. Miles Gaskin against the Giants, 6,400. That's kind of the range. Unless we just go Gibson again with Moreau. Which yeah, I, don't think I mean, it's I mean it's, it would seem like because we've got so we're so far off the chalk that we could you could take Gibson and yeah. you can play him. But Let, let's I don't do know that because then 6,600, the, the discussion becomes if we want to play Jamal with Madison, if we wanted to play David Montgomery in that range, or we just go, we just roll it back with T. Higgins and hope no one plays him again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we could do T. Higgins uh, as a one off and leave Claypool in the flex, and then you've got, you can blow everything up. All right, let's go with that for now. I got to get you out of here, Reeves. Yeah. Uh, I will remind everyone uh, that they should be checking out sharpfootballanalysis.com. They've been generous enough to give our listeners a 30% site-wide uh, coupon code, so definitely check that out. Rich30 at checkout. Uh, we went a little bit over, but no worries. Reeves, I appreciate you, and we'll uh, see you next week, my man. All right, beautiful. See ya. That's all for now, but definitely keep an eye out for the podcast dropping later today with Jake Seeley and TJ Hernandez. And thanks to our presenting sponsor, FanDuel, once again for bringing us one of the best contests in all of DFS, FanDuel.com slash Holka, the Listener League, Rake Free, all that good stuff. I will see you guys in there. And of course, thanks again to Matt Harmon, Rich Rebar, my guest today. And one last reminder, guys, if you could just take a few seconds out of your day and leave me a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Truly makes a huge difference on pushing this show forward up the charts. And until next time. (laughs) 